Institute of World Mission podcast. You're listening to the show for Adventist cross-cultural mission enthusiasts. My name is Alex Ott, and together with the IWM team, we invite you to join us today. This podcast is a production of the Institute of World Mission brought to you with support of the General Conference Missions family of ministries and services. Good morning, greetings, good afternoon, or good evening. On this side, I don't know when this episode is actually reaching you. It can be any time of the day. A couple of days ago, I took a look at the statistics for the IWM podcast. Was surprised to find out that we have listeners on all the continents, North and South America, Europe and Asia, Africa, Australia, There is an active and dedicated community of Adventist cross-cultural missions enthusiasts all around the globe, and many are our active listeners. Friends, it is a privilege for us at IWM to be part of this family. Today, I bring you an interview with Dr. Bubakar Sanu. Dr. Sanu is holding a PhD in missions and Christian leadership and is currently an assistant professor of mission and leadership in the seminary of Andrews University. Originally coming from Burkina Faso, Dr. Sanu blends this great deal of personal experience with missiological insight, with theory. Many of us who took classes from Dr. Sanu would know him to be famous for his many stories, those life stories. They've always been so helpful in making mission theory so very practical. Now, throughout his years on the African continent, Dr. Sunu had been heavily involved in Adventist Muslim relations work. For the last six years, though, he has been teaching at Andrews, as as I've mentioned. Our topic of conversation today is worldview transformation. It takes no less than a transformed worldview for most people in the world, especially in traditionally non-Christian contexts, to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we know that. So now please join us in digging deeper into this very topic. Dr. Sanu, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you very much for having me. All right, I, I know you've asked me and give, given me permission to just uh, use your first name, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, so, Bubakar, today we agreed to discuss um, a very interesting um, a topic, uh, which stems from the fact that one of our primary objectives of us missionaries, um, cross-cultural, long-term missionaries, is to be an instrument in God's hands for the gospel to transform people's worldview, to transform their worldview. So this is, this is the topic that we are looking at. So let's discuss this idea of worldview transformation in very practical terms. And the first question I wanted to ask you is, would you please give a quick overview of the concept of worldview? What is this thing, okay. worldview, and why is it important for us in cross-cultural missions? Okay, uh, to start with, I would say that worldview for me is like a mental framework uh, within which uh, individuals and groups interpret the nature of, of reality. Okay. It's like a kind of internal 
GPS no, right. that guides me uh, in what I do. And because it is internal GPS, I don't think twice about some things. I find myself doing it because I do it from a certain perspective. Okay. And But with time, that mental framework will also af uh, affect my evaluation of things, will affect my cognitive uh, perspective of life, will affect my... Uh, evaluative and all my relationship with people. And eventually uh, worldview also will dictate where I place my allegiance. In the Institute of World Mission, when um, members of our audience go through the Mission Institute program, we discuss the idea of worldview because it is so fundamental. It's like an internal engine, right? It's just, yeah. it's just either you see the world in one way and there's a myriad of little details how it is. Exactly. And if you are from another place or culture, there are so many differences and often we don't realize that. Exactly. Um, so why is it important for us in cross-cultural missions, this, this, this missiological idea, uh, anthropological idea of worldview? You know, I think that it is really important because if we don't understand it in cross-cultural context, when we uh, share our faith, sometimes we settle only with uh, people changing their behaviors. Only when behaviors are changed, and the underlying, underlining uh, worldview assumptions are not changed, usually people will revert to their, uh, 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 the mode of operation they know, and that can easily lead to syncretism. Right. Um, very interesting. Speaking of why is it so important for cross-cultural missions, sometimes we don't. We are not going to even have converts. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> we, because we are just speaking like a different language. Exactly. Almost. And uh, uh, Charles Craft uh, said that if we don't take into consideration the worldview assumption of people we reach out to, we'll be speaking to them in alien tongues and they will not understand that. If they don't understand it, they cannot uh, respond even to the appeal we make. Right. Now, so why are we aiming at worldview transformation and not something else? Won't it be easier to simply tell them the truth? I mean, to change worldview is, is, is almost impossible, isn't it? I mean, such a huge task. So before we go into the house, um, you mentioned a little bit about syncretism, so can you just develop that a little bit more? So why do we want to transform a person's worldview or be an instrument in God's hands okay. to transform worldview? You, uh, you say, is it not, uh, will it not be enough to speak the truth as it is? I would say truth is not an abstract. Mm -hmm. And people cannot understand what truth is unless it is expressed uh, within their frame of reference. In other words, if they don't understand something and they cannot relate to it, they don't know how accepting that truth can positively impact their life, they are likely not to buy into it. Mm -hmm. Or they will tell the missionary, yes, we believe, in order to be rewarded. But they will, uh, when you are not there, they will go to their old practices. 
And syncretism for me is simply blending, for example, the principle of the Bible with other principles that stand in, uh, in, in contrast, in contradiction with what the Bible says. When those two are contradictory uh, systems are blended together, it, it leads to syncretism. In other words, I will be in church praising God on Sabbath, but uh, on Sunday maybe I am in the corner of the village or the city seeing a fetish priest or any other person to, to help me with uh, my life challenges. So it, it stems from what we're saying, what you're saying here, that if a good German Adventist goes to uh, his German neighbor mm -hmm. and presents the gospel, he automatically does in such a way that the other guy kind of grasps it, right? The exactly. world is not an issue there. Yeah. But if, uh, if uh, a, a good Japanese Adventist comes, say, to uh, Burkina Faso mm -hmm. uh, and is uh, trying to share the gospel there, uh, how much chance does he have to really pass the gospel along? Okay, it, unless he, he emerges himself to, the, to understand the culture of Burkina Faso, he will not be able to reach out to people there because he will be taking maybe illustrations or he will be using things that are understood in Japan <laughs> but that are not understood in Burkina Faso. Yes. So that could be a stumbling block. Yeah. So how does a world you get transformed? And this is probably the question of today's in uh, today's interview. Yeah. We we understand why we understand how often we fail at really facilitating mm -hmm. the process of worldview transformation. So how does a worldview, this core of culture, this frame of reference, this entire outlook at how everything works? nature, God, divine things, human mm -hmm. things, spirit things, how all of this works, then how do we influence this? How do we help to okay. transform it? Because we, we learn uh, assumptions of our worldviews without even knowing it, because it is subconscious. It comes, it starts since we're children. It becomes so ingrained in us that it takes time to change. Yeah. So to change worldview, uh, worldview assumptions takes a long time. But I've just, I would like to discuss six uh, points uh, this afternoon. First, I would say that worldview gets to change during crisis situation. Let me give you an example. In the wonderful. Bible, with Nebuchadnezzar, it was when he was struck by God and he was banished for several years. When he came back from that crisis situation, he said, I proclaim today that there's no God but the God of Daniel. Mm -hmm. He went through a crisis situation. Another example is when uh, God uh, took his children out of the land of slavery, Egypt. Mm -hmm. After the plagues, the plagues were a crisis situation for for Pharaoh and his officials. And I guess for the Hebrew... For the Hebrew as well, yeah. you see? But when they realized that, yes, the power of God, the God that Moses was presenting was more than the power of these little gods they were worshipping, they realized that, yeah, there is a superpower somewhere. And their key assumption of 
who holds the power, power who started changing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so crisis. Crisis situation. And the second, I would say, changes in life circumstances. Okay. For example, hey, uh, someone whose parents were in a village somewhere in the world that believe in spirit or anything, and they get to send their child to school, the child goes to school and does well in elementary education, goes to college, goes to university, leaves the country and gets uh, 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 more education. At some time, he will not believe and behave anymore as his parent because his situation has, has changed. I met uh, someone that shared an experience with me. When he used to visit his village when he was growing up, when you have sore throat, you took a knife made by a blacksmith, you put sheer butter on the knife, you, you pass it on the fire when it melts, and you lick it three times when you are a male and four times when you are a female, and your sore throat will go away. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he did it and his sore throat was healed. But he went to school, he was st- studying to become a pharmacist. You know, his perspective started changing. One day he visited his parents in the village and he felt sick, he had sore throat. They asked him to lick uh, the shea butter on the knife three times. He licked it several times and he never got well. Because in his mind now, that is not the way to heal sore throat. The life situation was completely different. Mm-hmm. And the third one I will talk about, worldviews start to, to change when we encounter people uh, with other worldviews. When we actually, well, we come to, as missionaries, we come to the local people. And exactly. So that's already a very natural situation. Situation. Okay. So uh, some missionologists call it diffusion process. It's like when you take a sponge uh, that is you soak in water or in oil, and then you drop that uh, sponge with oil in a uh, wa- uh, in a bucket full of water. Okay, after some time, you will see traces of oil hmm. in the water, and there will be traces of water in the sponge mm-hmm. because those two. Uh, came in contact for some time. Diffuse, yeah. Anyway, so that's what happens. And uh, for myself, uh, yeah, I've, I've lived in uh, Western countries, uh, but to start with, it was really difficult. Because in my culture, you cannot call someone that is older than you, for example, your professor by his first name. So it was really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I was still thinking from my cultural perspective. But when I realized that uh, uh, in some cases it, it, it shows respect by calling someone by their first name because it, is, it shows that you are friends, uh, I started changing a little bit. But with a different perspective on the same thing, and exactly. both are good, exactly. right? Both are good, yeah. but the context is different. Yeah. So I need to be mindful of my context. And the, the fifth one I would like to uh, talk... The fourth, the, the fourth, fourth one, fourth, yeah. the, the fourth, that's what I, I talk, I say, when we encounter okay. uh, other worldviews, when we encounter other worldviews, the diffusion 
-hmm. process starts. Okay. Then my worldview starts shifting. Okay. So the fifth one, worldview will change when uh, a discontent with status quo happens. L let me let me give you an example. There are some people who don't believe that God answers prayers, that God is still in the business of healing people today. Such a worldview issue, right? That's we a worldview issue. We see God who answers prayers, who is part of our lives, but yeah. some don't at all. Okay. Exactly. We read the New Testament, for example, we see Jesus healing all kinds of diseases. Mm -hmm. But today some people tell me that they don't want to, to pray for God to heal someone from cancer, for example. But because they believe that prayer cannot heal cancer. If those people see other believers sincerely pray, fast pray and anoint someone that is critically sick, and God heals the person, and the, the, the same thing happens over and over again. It is not only one person that was healed, but two people, three people, because God is manifesting their, His power, uh, the ones that do, did not believe previously that prayer is still useful in healing even diseases may start to, uh, to, uh, to change their perspective. Mm -hmm. Because their status quo was that, hey, this cannot happen. But when they see God do it, definitely they will shift. And the last one I will want to speak well, the last point about worldview change I would like to talk about this afternoon is very important to me. Is a is discipleship. Okay. Discipleship. We need to be intentional about discipling people. Discipling. When we disciple, uh, uh, when when I I I put it. In perspective with what I do now, I cannot dissociate discipleship from mentoring and coaching. Mm -hmm. I said previously that if we are not careful in any context, cross-cultural context or even local context, when people come to Christ, we settle down only. We, we are satisfied when we see in those people a change in behaviors. Unfortunately, people can change behaviors in order to be rewarded. Hmm. Let me tell you a true story that I learned in my ministry. A young uh, uh, lady, an Adventist, fell in love with another, uh, with a man. That man was not Adventist. Mm -hmm. Often happens, yeah. Okay, and the lady told the man, I will get married to you only on one condition, if, if you, you become Adventist. And if you get baptized, yeah. If you get baptized. So the guy said, okay, what does it take to be baptized? <laughs> so you, you take Bible studies. So he enrolled in Bible studies. The pastor was giving him Bible studies. He was baptized when they were preparing for his baptism, they were also doing, preparing them for their wedding. He was baptized a, a Sabbath, the Saturday, the next day, Sunday, they officiated their wedding. 
that was the last time he ever attended an Adventist church. Oh, I, d- I was hoping there was at least not going to be so sad. <laughs> that was the only uh, the last time. And when he was asked, hey, uh, why don't you come to church? Say, I got what I wanted. You told me that if I was baptized, that was okay. So I got baptized. So intentional discipleship, we should not only limit what we do in our ministry to people changing their behaviors. And the second thing uh, related to that, conversion should be uh, approached as transformation of beliefs. Because it is my beliefs that uh, feed my behavior. Mm-hmm. So, for my behaviors to be right, my beliefs need to be right. Okay? But we should not stop there also. Conversion should be defined also as transformation of worldview assumptions. Because it is my worldview assumptions that feed my belief system, and it is my belief system that feed my, the way I behave. So then, in the process of, of uh, discipling uh, convert, we need to be careful that uh, we focus on these three areas. Which yes. are, can you spell them again? Okay. Uh, change of behavior. Change of behavior. Change of belief. Belief. And change of uh, worldview assumption. Okay. And there is uh, one text that I would like to point us to in the Bible. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 to 13. Okay. And Paul lays out there four, four things. He says that, uh, for worldview really to change, uh, we should be committed to the spiritual uh, welfare and growth of believers for a long period of time. So long-term commitment to the spiritual uh, welfare and growth of believers. Worldview does not get transformed quickly. Quickly. It does not. It does not. That's why we see Paul again, first missionary uh, visit, second missionary journey, in order to help uh, people grow. And the second thing he mentioned in First Thessalonians 2, uh, verses 9 and 10, he said that we need to learn to model spiritual work mm-hmm. with believers. Because... I think it, that's key. Mm-hmm. If you just say it again, to model spiritual that walk. spiritual walk. Yeah. What does that entail? It, it, it means... Being vulnerable, sharing some of our experiences. Because uh, believers will think that missionaries have it all. Okay? They may think that, oh, they they do something in order to grow quickly spiritually. If I tell uh, uh, people that are seeking for God that I also struggle in my uh, journey, it can give them hope. Another example, in where I teach, I mentor some students. In my group, there are female seminarians. So I told them, it will be difficult for me to really help you in every aspect of mentoring because I'm not a woman and I'm not in transition to become a woman. So one day I invited one of our of our esteemed preachers, who is a lady. 
she came to she came to Andrews. I invited her to my group. Mm -hmm. They asked her a question. Hey, in our denomination, people really respect you. Can you tell us how you got to where you are? I was shocked by her uh, approach to that. She said that before she became Adventist, she was looking for happiness. She tried getting happiness in sex, multiple partners. She was not happy. She tried drugs. She did not find happiness. When she became Adventist, she was looking for happiness in the applause she, she could get from people. She was not getting that happiness. Till one day she took steps to Christ. The first chapter. When she was reading, she, wrote, she read there that God created human beings perfect and happy. She said that that was the answer to her long quest. Mm -hmm. My happiness is not found in what I have or in what I do, but my happiness is found in God. When she left, after one hour, I heard all of my students say almost the same thing. There is hope for me. There is hope for me. There is hope for me. They realized that that lady that is well-loved in our church did not become who she is instantly. It took time to grow. So she was modeling what spiritual work looks like. Yeah. Now, would you please share a little bit? I know that you're part of a discipleship group okay. here on campus. Um, and so what, what you're sharing really comes from uh, a weekly, daily experience as exactly. you engage with other students, not just in class, yeah. but in a very real discipleship process where you model it for them and then they model it for others. But it's a real group uh, spiritual life. Can you just share a little bit about this? <laughs> Um, I'm, uh, I have a friend now that uh, is quite very is is young. He's studying here. One day he told me that he was fearful about the future. He's studying about the future. The future, yeah. He's about to finish his MDiv degree. He's saying when he is done with the MDiv degree, what next? Because it's hard. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really difficult to study and finish your studies, and there's no job for. For, for you. So I decided to take him for a walk. Mm -hmm. Just talk about things not uh, as they come randomly. And I shared with him my own experience. When I came to Andrews for my PhD, when I finished my PhD, what next? I went to God. I said, Lord, I'm available to you. You, please, lead me wherever you, 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 you want. I don't know where you want to call me to minister, but I'm available to you. I was afraid because as an international student, after my PhD, I could work only one year. After that year, what will I become? So, as my work permit was getting to be expired, one day the dean, I saw the dean, I greeted him, Dr. Moscala. He called me in his office. He told me, hey, you know what? Uh, a search committee has been working for a long time now, and by God's grace, it is you that uh, we have decided uh, by God's grace to hire as a full-time professor. 
so why am I sharing with this with that uh, other student, uh, right? That, yeah. uh, student to tell him that being anxious, thinking about tomorrow is not a sin, but it is letting my anxiety about the future lead me to doubt in the power of God to make a way for me. Yeah. So you're modeling a spiritual walk walk, for him. Yeah, I told him, you are not the only one that goes through it. I go through it, but this is how I deal with it. I go to God and say, you know, Lord, I'm anxious about this one. Please. I don't see any way out. You make a way out for me. Dr. Sanu Bubakar, as as he asked me, we we just uh, basically pushing uh, the time limit of, of this interview. But what is interesting is you've shared with us uh, a number of different situations or circumstances where world you gets pushed to be transformed. Okay. And I'm so thankful that you have brought to your attention uh, the, the whole subject of discipleship because some of the other ones we cannot really affect. Exactly. But we can disciple exactly. other people. Exactly. We, and we need to be intentional about it. And thank you for, um, for doing this with us. And by the way, I just really want to say thank you that being a professor, being a teacher here at Andrews University, you're walking the path with students, you're being part of, uh, of their lives, and, uh, and we just need more of that in all of our educational uh, institutions, uh, we have a lot of uh, missionary teachers and professors around the world, and I know many of them are doing the same. Um, so that is that is where we are to grow in this. This is the way to transform worldviews. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Blessings. Now, transitioning out of the interview, you might be interested to know that there are several other episodes that we've done in the past that are related to the topic of worldview transformation in one way or the other. So here they are very quickly. You can find them in the list, but let me just give you a hint. Episode 33, Rethinking Hospitality Through the Arab and Biblical Worldview. The other one is episode 31, The Subtle Danger of Uncritical Contextualization. And of course, you may have listened to it, and if not, you should, I would say, the three-part series of episodes on witnessing with Wesley Jamko. Those are episodes 23, 28, and 30. Make sure to check all of these out if the whole topic of witnessing and discipling is of interest to you personally. Now to our website. Please don't forget to check a witnessing and discipling featured theme page on the IWM website. It has a selection of all episodes and other recent resources on this very important topic. You can find this page at iwm.adventist.org forward slash witness. Now friends, I have an announcement. Today I'm ready to share with you the actual launch date of the very first online video course offered by the Institute of World Mission. It's going to be an engaging experience which is centered around a very practical skill. Now we know that people of majority world cultures are oral learners. Storytelling is a key skill to help an oral learner, a friend in the culture where you live, 
grow as a disciple of Christ. The title of the course is Storytelling for Discipleship. Our first online teacher is Pat Gustin. The course will be launched on, like I said, on IWM website. Now the important part, on September 30. So in, in just a few weeks. Please mark this date. It's September 30. Next week, I will be sharing a bit more with you about the launch and the course. It's a big thing for us. We hope it will be a wonderful service for you. Now, today's shout-out goes to uh, Vicky in Doha and also to Marcella in Turkey. Thank you for being IWM listeners. You have written to us over the last couple of weeks. I was very happy to receive those emails. You offered some thoughts and comments. We welcome that so very much and are thankful for what you do where you are. We do have a favor to ask of all of our listeners, though. Please help someone this coming week to become an IWM podcast listener. We don't rely on ratings and reviews and all of the stuff out there, but we do rely on the word of mouth, on personal recommendations. For many in our community, it takes helping. It takes somebody's helping them understand what is podcasting, where to get the episodes. It will take your help to download an app, locate the podcast, and set it up for listening from week to week. Please do that for someone else this week, for someone who cares about cross-cultural mission. My name is Alex Ott. I will be very happy to see you next week.